Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Your word is yea, your word is amen, your word is quick, your word is powerful, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, your word can bring healing, your word can bring freedom, your word can bring deliverance. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you speak your word today. Let your word come with power. Let your word come with grace. Make my tongue like that of a ready writer. Let me be able to speak your mind to your people in a way that they can understand. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them. Turn to your neighbor and tell them. All right. Say, your Father, which is God in heaven, will appreciate if you come early to church on Sunday. Right? He will appreciate it when you are coming to him, you at least come early. Right? Because he's here early. God is never late. When we tell him we're coming here at 10, he's here before 10. He wants to meet us. Amen? So... What should we do? We should, be here before, we should be here before 10. Usually when we start worship, it's half of us in here. All right? And that's a very, very important session, part of the worship. Worship time is a, is a critical time. It's a time when it's focused on him, it's dedicated to him. I hate to see you miss that. That's why we put that first, because we want to really focus on him first before we you know, do anything for ourselves. All right? So are we going to change that? Thank you very much. God bless you. Amen. Today I have a word I'm going to share that I God put in my heart, uh, and I pray that this word will bless you. I titled the message, Love the Antidote to Fear. Love the Antidote to Fear. It's like the cure to fear. And... Um, I have uh, two scriptures I would like, you know, a few uh, scriptures I would like us to read. Uh, if you don't mind, we're going to, actually I'll project it on the screen. We're going to read uh, a set of scriptures written by John, uh, who is one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. In fact, John proudly called himself the disciple that Jesus loves, all right? And I did a study about this. I mean, God brought this to my attention a while ago. Just comparing John to Peter. Peter, James, and John were the three top disciples, you know, of Jesus. Uh, and we know Peter was obviously eventually the leader of the bunch. But there were three that were very critical to Jesus Christ. But especially two, if you study the Bible, that you see that played very critical role. Uh, 
Peter was one of them. Peter, we know, was, uh, you know, the leader. Jesus put him in charge. He was the mouthpiece, right? He was the spokesperson. He was uh, always, uh, you know, always in front of everything that was going on. That was Peter. But we also know that Peter was the one that denied Jesus Christ, right? He denied Jesus Christ three times. Uh, John, on the other hand, uh, was very close to Jesus. In fact, we heard that Jesus was very, very fond of John. Uh, Jesus committed his mother to John. So when Jesus was dying on the cross of Calvary, you know, he looked forward to John. I mean, look at John and, he t- and his mom, and he handed his mom to John. And he said, I want you to take care of my mother. And from that time on, John took the mother of Jesus Christ and took, him, took her home and, and took care of her. So John was also so close that even when they hung, hung out, Jesus would always be very, very close to him. And John said, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. And I love that. Just imagine he said, you know, and he even wrote it. He wasn't ashamed of it. He wrote it. Sometimes he wouldn't even want to talk about, mention his name, and he would say, you know, and the other disciple that Jesus loved. So John has a very powerful, he saw love from a very different perspective. He saw love from Jesus' perspective. You know, usually when we talk about love, sometimes we can see love, especially in relation to God, as we loving God or God loving us, right? In fact, John eventually in the book, in the passage, in the passage we're going to read, he said, you know what, I love him too, but I love him because he first loved me. You know, my love is not trying to love. My love is because I understand how he loved me, I have no other choice than to respond and love, you know. But if you look at Peter, Peter was a man that was always wanting to prove his love to Jesus, you know. He probably didn't really focus too much on Jesus' love to him. In fact, he rarely talked about that. He was more concerned about loving Jesus. And he would say, I will love you. I will be there for you. He was so focused on loving Jesus. And, but that didn't quite work well. You know, it was, that didn't quite work well. The revelation of Jesus' love wasn't as strong to him. Peter ended up denying Jesus three times. And John never did that. John was put in the island of Patmos, and he got revelation. He wrote us the book of Revelation. So when it comes to love, he must always start from God, God's love to us, right? Then we respond back in love to him. I think sometimes we focus on, I want to love him more. That's great. But I think we should focus more on, Lord, let me know how much you love me. Praise the name of Jesus. So let's go to uh, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read verse 15. We're going to start from verse 15. Can we all read it together? Let's read verse 15. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Let's stop. Let's stop there. So it's giving us a very, this is theology now, fundamental Christian theology, that all who declare Jesus Christ, that's how we get saved, by declaration, right? We believe in our heart. And we confess with our mouth. Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 10, verse 9 and 10. 
if you believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead and confess with our mouth, we are saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, all would Now, let's go to verse 16 now. Verse 16 says, let's go. One, two. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. You see that? He said, you know, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. That is, we put our trust in the fact that he loves us. Our trust is not based on the fact that we love him. You know, our trust is not based on the fact that, you know, we do the best we can do. Our trust is based on the fact that we know how much. Apostle Paul was, uh, you know, he prays about it. He prayed about it in, in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, he prays about us knowing how much God loves us. Knowing the depth of God's love. In fact, he describes it by saying, I am praying that you will know how high, how deep, how wide, and how long is the love of God. Praise the name of Jesus. So John is giving us a perspective here that we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. Let's, let's go on. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Hallelujah. So God is love. Everyone who lives in, 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 in love, they live in God. Because when you know God, the first thing you know is his love for you. In fact, that's what brought us to salvation, because of his love for us. That's why he gave us Jesus Christ. That's why we responded. Praise the name of Jesus. So we know and God is love, and all who live in love, they live in God. Let's, let's read verse 17 now. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Hallelujah. As we live in God, as we understand God more, what happened to our love? Our love grows more perfect. I'd like us to switch to verse 18. Uh, he began to describe something about love that we're going to talk about today. Verse 18. Let's read verse 18 together. Such. All right. I think you switched me. I'm reading the New Living Translation. Can you, can you, is it, isn't that what I put? put? I want you to put the New Living Translation. Don't switch it. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Wow. John has some deep revelation about God's love. He says, the love I'm talking about has no fear. That when we truly understand God's love, fear will have no place in our life. We will have no fear. All right? Because perfect love drives out fear. You see, love and fear can't live together. A lot of times we don't associate those two together, you know, naturally. I, I don't really, I mean, but for the scripture, 
I won't really understand that love and fear, they have something to do with each other. But John is able to give us that perfect revelation here. They say, the love I'm talking about, when you know God's love, there's no fear there. Because the more perfect your love is, and most of us, our love is not perfect. You know, our love is not really perfect. We know God loves us, but it's not perfect. You know, there's no, the, the, the revelation of it is not perfect. The more perfect you get in your revelation of God's love, the less fear you have in your life. Because perfect love, we drives out fear completely. And he said, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Because fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with consequence. That's fear. You know, the first times fear was mentioned in the Bible was after sin, right? You know, before sin entered into, the life, into Adam and Eve, they had no concept of fear, all right? Their relationship with God was purely based on love. They knew God. God was love. You know, the, the, revelation, I mean, the relationship was cool. In fact, the Bible says God visited them at the cool of the day. Praise the name of Jesus. God visited them at the cool of the day. Now, when sin came, they became afraid. In fact, Adam said, I heard your voice and I was afraid. How did that become? I mean, somebody, you heard his voice and you were excited. You know, now you heard his voice, now you're afraid. Now, fear entered because fear has to do with punishment. And fear shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. You know, anytime we are operating from a place of fear, anytime fear drives our life, drives our experiences, that's a proof that we have not experienced his perfect love. It's not a, it doesn't mean we have not experienced his love, but that love is not perfected. That's what uh, John is saying, that that love is not perfected. It's not perfect, that we need to work on really knowing God's love. That's why this proves why we need to pray Ephesians chapter 3 over and over again. All right, this proves that this is, is a very serious thing. And knowing God's love has a serious consequences. And if you look at your life, I look at my life, I saw that I, I have a lot of time been driven more by fear than by love. Even in my relationship with God, even in pursuing God's purpose for our life, for my life, a lot of times I am motivated by fear of punishment than just responding to God's love. You know, fear of consequence, fear of shame, fear of failure, fear of this. A lot of times uh, motivate our lives, drives us instead of being driven by love. Praise the name of Jesus. So our relationship with God must be based, and I want you to understand that, on understanding how much God loves you. If you know how much God loves you, your relationship with God will be different. No, your relationship with God will be different. And how do you know that you're perfected in love? Fear is not the driving factor. Hallelujah. 
And this revelation is given to us by someone who truly experienced God's love. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, which many of us, you know, we, we love and we are used to. Second Timothy chapter 3. Before I get into that, I think I would like to take us to Ephesians. Let's, let me take you to Ephesians. Let me not assume everybody, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, if you can get it for us, that will be good. Okay. All right, I will take us there here. Hallelujah. So let's, let's go to verse 14. We've studied this book anyway, by the way, in, the, in, in, our, in our Bible study. For those of us who have been coming, this will not be strange to you. Uh, we actually went through this. Look at what verse 14 says. From verse 14, I'm going to read it. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. So verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, I want you to notice that. He said, I want you to be grounded. I want you to be rooted. I want you to grow. I want you to, I want you to be, I want what is keeping you, what is guiding you, to be God's love. Praise the name of Jesus. In the end, this is New Living Translation. Your root will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So I want your root to go down, not into anything, into God's love. Not into, you know, God's power, God's this, God's... No, God's love. And he's saying when, you, when your root grow down into God's love, you are strong. You are established. You are immovable. Praise the name of Jesus. All right? I want you to switch that to NIV, by the way. Switch that to NIV. All right? So, verse 18 says, may you, you, may, you establish in love, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, I want you to notice that, how long, how high, and deep is the love of Christ. I mean, it's vast. And verse 19 says, And to know this love that suppresses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. All right? You cannot enjoy the fullness of God. That is what he's saying. We cannot experience everything that God wants us to experience unless we truly know how much he loves us, all right? Unless we truly have that revelation, have the capacity to understand how wide, how, how, how deep, how high is his love towards us. Praise the name of Jesus. So that's very, very important to know because if we don't know that, John tells us we will be operating from a place of fear. Fear will become 
what is driving us. And many times, so let's go back now to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.17. You can go back to my slide now and display 2 Timothy 1.7. Hallelujah. I want all of us to read it together. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of his son. I want you to see love here too, right? You know, you know, you, you know, you say God has not given us the spirit of fear. See, anytime fear is operating, that's not God. I mean, the word spirit there is actually can be replaced by the word attitude, all right, or a mindset. So it's not talking, you know, it's not talking uh, more from a spirit, a pneuma, a pneuma, which is the typical word for spirit, like the Holy Spirit part of, uh, point of view. He's talking about an attitude. That God has not given us that. Anytime fear is driving our life, anytime fear is driving our experiences, we say God has not given us that. All right? What God has given to us is the spirit of power, of love. He said the spirit of love, the attitude of love, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. So our true confidence is not from our, you know, let me use, uh, for lack of a better word, our macho-ness, you know, our ability to really be strong. That's not restraint. Restraint comes from our understanding of God's love. Praise the name of Jesus. And many times, we are driven by fear. In fact, most times when we live in disobedience, we are more driven by fear than anything else. Fear becomes the driver. Fear causes us to run away from God. Fear causes us to disobey God even. Fear causes us not to want to fully surrender our life to God. The reason why many people are not fully surrendered to God, we're just afraid of what he's going to do to us. We're afraid of what that means. We are afraid of what it means to us. You know, the song, Spirit leads me, you know, to the place where my trust has no borders, right? Where, you know, my fear has no borders. So it is, it is it's talking about getting to a place where we are afraid of being in a place where we are not in control. Where God is just totally in control of our life. Where God just says, you know what, where we just say, you are in charge. Oftentimes, we don't do that because fear. So fear drives us to disobedience. Fear drives us to make choices that are contrary to God. Fear drives us to a place where we are not walking in faith because of fear. Fear of being disappointed drives us from not trusting. You know, there are so many ways fear works in our life that prevent us from truly Obeying God. Praise the name of Jesus. And many of us suffer from different kind of fear. We call it phobia, right? Many of us suffer from all that, and that prevents us from truly being what God has called us to be. Hallelujah. And it's important to know that the reason why that happened is because we are not living in perfect love. All right? We have not been perfected in his love. 
when we are perfected in his love, we are not living in fear. Hallelujah. Another thing fear does is fear makes us to be very cautious. All right? Fear makes us to be very, very cautious. And being very cautious, as, it, as good as it sounds, doesn't necessarily take us to where God wants us to be. All right? Doesn't need to take us to where God wants us to be. Being very cautious. Cautious about life. Cautious about how we walk. Cautious about choices we make. Now, cautious has its virtue. But when it comes to working with God, caution a lot of times will prevent you from being what God wants you to be. Caution might prevent you from pursuing your dream job, dream career. A lot of things you want to do will involve you taking some risk, Right? We involve you sometimes walking away from what you know to what you don't know. We involve you taking steps. We involve you making, taking some steps that might really end up in disappointment. We involve you taking some steps that might really end up in leading to failure. It's important. I'm reading a book now that talks about the, the, the secret of innovation. And he said that, the biggest secret of innovation is that innovation hardly succeeds. Most innovations don't work. Majority of innovations never turn out to be good. Now, we read about the one that works, right? That's what, that's what we, you know, that's what we know. That's what the media focus on. But most successful innovators have had to do with failures. You know, we know, we know even from Thomas Edison, from New Jersey, right? That he, 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 he attempted just the, you know, electricity, just, just discovering electricity, I think over, about a thousand times. History tells us 999 times, and he failed, and he failed. Can you just imagine you try to do something 999 times, and you keep failing? It wasn't until the a thousandth time that he walked. And they asked him and said, you know, wow, what, what happened? How did, you, how did you survive failing 999 times? And he said, no, 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 I didn't see it that way. You know, each time I fail, I discover one more way that doesn't work. At least I know I won't try it again. Unfortunately, some people will try the same thing over and over again. <laughs> they, fail, they might say, I failed 10 times. No, you just failed one time. In, just one way 10 times. <laughs> Hallelujah. But for him, he said, no, 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 no. You know, so I, so we can, when we are in love, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get to something like this that I'm hoping you catch. So when we are operating in fear, we are not able to take risk because that, that fear prevents us. Fear makes us very cautious. Fear makes us not want to step into out of the boat, right? We prefer the boat, a place of comfort. We prefer to do things the way we've always done it. We prefer to just retreat to those things that we have determined in our mind, they are our safeguard, that I'm safe here, that we prefer that. We prefer that safety. And that's what happened to Peter. Peter was step out of the boat. Now he discovered that he can walk on water. If you look at uh, the story of Peter. Peter, they were in the boat. 
you know, and they saw Jesus Christ walking on water towards them. That was scary. And Peter said at some point, he said, Master, if it is you, tell me to come. And the master said, come. I mean, that must take some courage. He actually stepped out of that boat, and he discovered that he can walk on water. And he continued, he began to walk, walk towards Jesus Christ. Of course, at some point, he said, what did I just do? <laughs> right? I mean, just like many of us. <laughs> he looked up, he looked around. Now he was far away from the boat, so there was no, and he said, what did I just do? And as soon as he thought like that, the Bible says he began to sink. He began to sink. Thank God he was close enough to Jesus. Jesus just took him, and he, you know, he floated again. So what controlled Peter's ability to walk on water? What controlled that? It wasn't Jesus, really. It was him. It was his mindset. It was because Jesus was there all the time. Jesus was there when he was walking on water. Jesus was there when he was sinking. Jesus was there when he took him up again. So Jesus did not change. What changed was Peter's mindset, right? Peter's attitude. Peter was now driven with fear this time. He began to sink. So a lot of time, fear prevents us from really living the life God has called us to live. And I have a feeling there are so many people here. You're not living the life God has called you to live. You're not. You're not maximizing your life. You're not because of fear. And the reason why fear is in your life is not because you are not strong. You know, oftentimes when people are fearful, you know, we think you're not strong. And that's how I've always viewed it. Oh, you're not strong enough. You got to be tough. Be tough. Be tough. Be, be strong. No. I think John gave us a very a fresh perspective because you don't understand love. Next time when you see somebody fearful, you tell them, I think you don't understand love. Because love is what leads to a childlike faith. I'm sure you've heard of the word childlike faith. See, what does childlike faith mean? Childlike faith is a faith that has no element of fear. Right? And many of us, all of us, we started life that way. Didn't we start like dreaming, right? Thinking everything is possible. Imagining ourselves. You know, we start life without fear. Adventurous. You know, we see something new, we want to try it. We see something we want to, you know, we, you know, we look at how kids are just curious. They, they open things. They just, you know, they just, they just go into things. There's such an adventurous spirit inside of every child that oftentimes adults kill. Right? Either adults kill it or adulthood kills it, Right? Because they grew up themselves, they start realizing, oh, you can get burnt. Oh, this can happen. They start getting cautious. You know, as study shows, people who end up becoming great, who are innovators, are people who never lost that child, childlikeness in them. Some people are able in life, able to still maintain that childlike heart. Now, the funny thing is they are not always... 
the people that people want to be. Sometimes they are very, very, they appear reckless. Sometimes they appear, you know, to, not, to regular people. You know, regular people are cautious people, right? Regular people just want a job. You know, what time am I coming in? What time am I coming? What time am I coming back? Regular people want something predictable. Regular people are cautious. Regular people don't think about leaving something. Regular people are most times just driven by fear, right? Fear of failure, fear of death, fear of being disappointed, fear of being embarrassed, fear of being, you know, fear of death. Regular people are driven by that. But innovators, people who do great things, somehow they don't have that shame in their game, right? They're willing to just say, you know what, let's, let's try it. Let's test it. Let's see if it works. And that's how kids do. That's how children do. They, even a lot of time when we see kids that are really running around curious, what do we do? We stop them. We stop them. We shut them down, right? We shut them down. We say, no, 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 no. You don't do that. You don't do that. No, 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 no. And Jesus tells us, no, 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 no. That's actually what I'm looking. I don't want you to lose that childlikeness, childlikeness in you. Because the Bible says, theirs is the kingdom of God. I'm going to take us to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read that. Matthew chapter 18, verse 2 to 4. The Bible said, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. This is Jesus now. Placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So Jesus is talking about childlikeness, not childishness, all right? All right? There's a difference between being childish and being childlike, right? Childish, obviously, is a, is a negative effect of not being immature, and of being immature. But childlikeness is the attitude of a child. Uh, you know, it's an attitude of a child. And when it comes to faith, it is actually very, very powerful. It's actually very powerful. It allows us to truly, you know, enter into God's purpose for our life. It allows us into truly stepping out into what God has called us to, to be. He allows us to truly trust God, all right? The reason why we don't trust is because of fear. Fear of if I put my trust in God, what is that going to lead me? Then I don't control that anymore, right? I don't control that outcome anymore. I don't have, then I leave all that to God. Then we are afraid what is going to happen to me. If I trust God that he's going to supply all my needs, what if he doesn't do it, right? What teaches us are life experiences, not childlike faith. Life experiences say, what if God doesn't come through? So let me begin to make my own plan. Let me just not trust God, all right? Let me not trust God. Let me just begin to make my own plan. Let me not really obey him fully. Let me obey him partially, Right? At least have a little insurance in case it comes through. I have a 50% chance that God will come through. But let me put my egg in another basket. You know, that basket is for me now. 
It's my insurance. It's my policy. It's how I'm going to really, you know, I'm going to, I can do it on my own in case God doesn't come through. And sometimes we even have two parallel plans. You know, we have God plan in case God works, and we have our plan in case he doesn't work. The problem is that doesn't work very well. And what drives that is really our lack of understanding of God's love. Our not being perfected in God's love. So I'm here to challenge you today to let you know that the greatest antidote to a life of fear. You know, fear, one thing about fear, it brings torment. Fear brings torment because fear reminds us of punishment. Fear torments us. Fear hinders us. Fear, you know, fear puts us in prison. Fear prevents us from discovering what is possible. Fear, you know, fear prevents us from experiencing the miraculous. Fear prevents us from stepping out of the boat, you know, so we can realize what God has in store. Fear prevents us from truly being what God has never, has, I mean, wants us to be. Do you just imagine the world without some people who defy their fear? All right? And that's what I want to challenge you to begin to do as a person. Begin to find those things in your life, you know, that you have, been, you have not been doing because of fear. Begin to find that areas, those areas of your life that what is stopping you is fear. What is stopping you from being truly, truly committed to God? It's not because, you know, you're a good planner, you're this. All those excuses you're giving, they are not the real excuse. The real excuse is you're afraid. You're afraid of what life will mean to you if you fully surrender yourself to God. What is stopping you from saying, you know what, I am going to serve. I'm going to, I'm going to serve God with all my heart. If you really dig down very well, it's fair. It's fair of what does that mean to me? You know, what is stopping you from taking that next step towards your dream? Sometimes it's fear of failure. Okay, I don't want to fail again. I mean, I don't want to be disappointed again. I don't want God, I don't want to be disappointed again. I mean, if I step this, I'm disappointed again, I'm crushed. What is stopping you from pursuing your dream that God has placed in your heart? If you dig very, very deep down, the problem is we have things that we use, excuses that we use to, to cover our deep fear, the deep fear that is inside of us, that fear. And fear will always drive us against the will of God. Fear drove Abraham to go and have a child outside of his marriage, right? Even though he had the promise of God. God promised him. God said, you know, look, I got you. He went back to God several times. God said, don't worry, Abraham. I have you. I gave you the promise. You didn't even ask for the promise. I gave you the promise. I gave you the promise. Through your, and I mean your wife. Your wife you have now, Sarah, right? I am going to raise a child. And through that child, the whole earth will be blessed. And at some point, he said, you know what? I am just afraid God might not come true. You know, fear drove him. 
And look, fear drove him. Fear drove the wife. You know, the wife was probably thinking, I mean, it's for me to keep my marriage, I better allow this guy to have a child, right? And like this, I can control the person he has a child with, right? Because she's my servant. You see how she reasoned, right? Because if I don't control who he has a child with, then I have no control anymore. So somehow they both operated from fear. And they said, you know what? You know, just have the child. And that created a lot of problems. Created a problem in the marriage. You know, the, the wife, the, 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 the lady had to be kicked out. And, you know, from biblical history, created enemies, so many enemies for the child. That eventually had. All right? Most of the enemies of Israel came from the family of the boy. All right? That's, 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 that's really, in fact, spiritually, the Bible actually described that as flesh and spirit, right? You know, that's flesh, that's spirit. And flesh is always an enemy of the things of the spirit. So oftentimes when we allow fear to drive us, the consequences are not very good. You know, so I, I want to challenge you or ask you, where is fear driving you? Where are you living in disobedience because you're not perfected in love? All right? And I want to end up with being perfected in love. All right? That's where I want to end up, that being perfected in love. And I will take us back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. We'll read it, and we will, you know, we'll close. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Can we read it together? Are we, can we have it on the screen? Let's read it. One, two, go. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. So we're going to ask that, Lord, we want to fully experience your perfect love. You know, the goal is not to focus on fear. Because I think so much, we focus so much on fear. I bind you, spirit of fear. Even binding the spirit of fear brings fear. Right? I bind the spirit of fear. Fear this, fear that, fear that. Now, anytime I see that I am living in fear, and, and I've tried to, hopefully I gave enough example to connect this to a lot of how we live in our life. Some of us, you can't even trust your spouse because of fear. Uh, if I trust them, how about if he runs away? That's fear. <laughs> All right. If I love my wife so much, how about if she just take advantage of me? That's fair. You are ruled by fear. You know, but when you are ruled by love, you know, you know what that means? It brings peace. Love means God cares so much for me that he will just take care of me. I don't need to worry. God cares so much. Some of you can't give because how about if I don't have money? How about if something doesn't happen? If... This money, you know what I can do with it? That's fair. But if you say, you know what, God asked me to do it, then he has a plan. He's going to watch over me. He's going to take care of me. He's, he's going to supply all my needs. 
And why? Because he loves me. I mean, I mean, and I want us to be like John. I'm a disciple that Jesus loved. How about tell your neighbor? I am a disciple that Jesus loves. Look, I want you to really say that to yourself. Now, it might sound cheesy, right? It sounds cheesy. It sounds like, yeah, yeah. This is so girly for some of the guys, right? This is so, this is, this is, this is a girly thing to say. But you will discover that the more you really focus on the fact that, you know what, God, you love me. And if you love me, I don't need to live in fear. And Lord, I just, just help me to understand your love more. And I want us to pray that prayer. Can we bow down and pray that prayer? Just help me to understand how much you love me. Because I've no, I'm not walking in love. I'm not walking in love. I'm not walking in love. I'm not walking in love at all. Hallelujah. I'm not walking in love. I don't fully grasp your love. I don't fully grasp how much you love me. So please open my eyes. Help me to fully understand your love for me. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. Say, Lord, help me, Lord. To just know how much you love me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me have the power to know how wide, how long, how high your love is. Lord, I want to understand how great your love is for me. I want to be perfected in love. I want to be perfected in love. I want to be perfected in love because that's the kind of life you want for me. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you honor. Blessed be your name. Before we pray, before I pray, I really want just all heads bow. You have not... If you have not fully surrendered your life to Jesus, and because of fear, you're just afraid what that means to you, what that means to the choices, what that means to your life, what that means to, and you're like, you know what, I think I get it now. God loves me, he cares for me, and I want to do it now. I'd like you to just wave your hand where you're seated. I'd like to pray for you. You want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm struggling with fear, and I've not fully surrendered my life to Jesus, and I want to do that now. I'll give you a few minutes, a few seconds. Please, if you're here, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray for you. Please, anyone? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Uh, thank you. God bless you. Thank you very much. There might be one or two people more, and I want to give you that opportunity. Say, Lord, I think I, I want to fully just surrender to you. I want to embrace your love totally. So I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this one. And I'm praying today that you will give them a powerful understanding of your love. I pray for them and I pray for everyone here that we will be perfected in your love. And we will live our life to the fullest because we know your love for us. We know you care for us. We will begin to live a life of radical obedience. Not driven by fear, but driven by your love. We will begin to live a life of radical generosity. Not out of fear, but because we know we are loved. We will be living a life of radically 
pursuing our purpose because we know we are loved. Thank you, Father. Because you have not given us the spirit of fear, but you have given us the spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Thank you because you've answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.